0: I'm
1: Melissa, And together we want to welcome you to Still Great Bob. this is your first time joining us, together we're watching AMC's Mad Men try and answer the question, is it Still Great Bob? This week, we're discussing Season 2, Episode 11, The Jet Set, written by Matthew Weiner and directed by Phil Abraham. This episode originally aired on October 12th, 2008.
2: The hit movies that week, we've got Beverly Hills Chihuahua holding the number one slot. New this week in second place is the found footage horror movie Quarantine, starring Jennifer Carpenter and Jay Hernandez. Oh, so gosh. the description of this movie is as follows. Angela, a reporter, and Scott, her cameraman, find themselves locked inside a building which is quarantined by the CDC when humans in it turn into zombies after getting infected by a virus. So at least re- they had it contained.
1: Watching. Well and you know why they're infected by the virus, right? Why? Because they didn't wear a non-medical mask when they went outside and they weren't social distancing. So, okay. Yeah.
2: That <laughs> tracks. <laughs> um, so new this week and landing in the third spot is the Leo DiCaprio and Russell Crowe spy thriller, Body of Lies. The hit song this week was still T.I.'s Whatever You Like
0: on this episode of mad men don is california dreaming but it's more like a fever dream peggy finally goes on a date with a man who respects her roger is a total liability because he's the worst the actual worst uh and duck makes a big play to come out on top yeah nothing else matters guys all those
2: things happen good lord it was an episode it was an episode. And it's funny, like, I liked it a lot, but mm-hmm. as we've been talking off pod, and listeners will soon realize, uh, there's not, like, a lot to pick apart. I mean, somebody's gonna read this and be like, yes, there is, but <laughs> not not for me.
0: <laughs> there's just, like, a lot of looks and stuff, but not. I don't. I don't know. I can't. Even... It's hard for me to say it was more plot or more character, because I can't say it was, like, super character maybe for Dawn. But
2: even that feels like more of a culmination of things rather than like discoveries.
0: It's just more them without big moments or anything.
1: Yeah. And I I think Annie, you really kind of nailed it on the head in, in your summary where you talked about California dream and, and like fever dreams. And we've talked kind of over the almost two seasons now about the dream logic of Mad Men sometimes right how even when it's a uh, you know a very plotty episode and characters are making decisions left right and center the subconscious is never far from the surface and how the show kind of has a, a dream logic quality to it a lot of time and and how mm. people make their choices and even i think that was at play a couple episodes ago when um Don inadvertently, unbeknownst to him, tells Roger to leave Mona and and run away with Jane, or not run away, but but propose to Jane. So definitely, kind of similar type of decision there. And I think this episode more so than than some of the, even those other ones that I just mentioned had that dreamlike quality. And then I think too, this episode for me feels like the start of kind of the the final three episodes, the final. I guess, actor or, or chapter of season two. Because mm-hmm. again, we, we're moving some of the pieces around. We're seeing decisions and then we have this episode end the way it does, which feels like it had a giant to be continued kind of at the end and, and the style oh, okay. of like a 90s syndicated sci-fi show or something like that.
2: Well, and like not seeing Betty for a whole episode, it feels incomplete at this point because... It's not like, you know, early season one where she just was, like, sometimes here and sometimes not. Like, we've had, like, a lot of really big discussions um, around her in the last couple episodes. And then to, like, I mean, we do see her in this episode, which is, like, very cool. And I loved the scene where Don, like, holy shit, my wife? Not really? Maybe? Like, what am I seeing here? And he looks,
0: looks like, kind of happy to see her. Like, wow, what are the chances that you're also here, too?
1: Oh, well, and even the music cue 2 that was i can't remember what the song is right now off the top of my head i i didn't write it down in my notes but it's the same song that we see betty listening to earlier in the season oh, um i, I think love in, that. in gold violin so mm, yeah which is
2: another episode that's the one that we like loved right
1: yeah i think so yeah that was the ken and sal one yeah
2: so no betty so that's what i'm like really excited about for next uh week, quote unquote.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not like it felt like a filler episode. It felt like some important things happened, but they're like low key important and it's all mostly Dawn and maybe something happening with the business. Like even the one the times we did get to see, you know, our usual favorites, you you didn't get much out of them. Just I mean, like, like
2: spoiler, Peggy's haircut is like deeply important to this series. <laughs> it is. It is true. <laughs>
0: I do look at those bangs every time and think, should I? Should I not?
2: Life decision. Yeah, the, the haircut's great. And we'll get back to that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, did we want to start, I guess, with something kind of new for us, but do kind of a bit of a, like a rapid fire check in. Um, yeah. And then with some of those other characters, and then we can, can dig into the other stuff. Sure. Um, for sure. So, yeah, in terms of kind of the, the kind of plotting and obviously like the setup pieces is kind of, I think, duck storyline in this episode where he feels like he's, he's dissatisfied after almost two years at Sterling Cooper, hasn't been working out for him. Um, I get the feeling kind of something's happened off screen kind of in his, his personal life, maybe with his, his ex-wife or the kids we don't know yet. And he wants to go back to Powell, Putnam, and Lowe, the, uh, English firm he used to work for before, and he actually, there's no job for him, so he starts cooking up this um, plan. Scheme sounded maybe maybe too judgmental, but this plan to have the big English company buy Sterling Cooper. This and,
2: is a scheme. Fair yes. Enough. Insane.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so they're going to potentially buy Sterling Cooper, and Duck will be the head of creative, and I think that's the most interesting part to me. It's not just the, the business decision. It's, it's again, about his competition with Don. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. and if we do want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, what maybe has happened with Duck, is he? it's like a quick line when he's doing the dinner with the, the gentleman from the other firm, and they're like, you came here because you wanted to be closer to your children, and he's just like, they're grown. So... I mean, maybe he realized that whatever relationship that he like wanted to have with his kids isn't really panning out for him. So he's like, "I'm uh-huh. not satisfied by this. So I need to." And Roger straight up told him, and I laughed at this. Um, you know, Duck was like, "I'd be proud to present my ac- my accomplishments," and Roger said, "Good, because I'm at a loss, and like, <laughs> that sucks." So now you're getting like a bad performance review. Uh, your plan to be a father to your children, like, they don't really need you. They're, you know, too old for whatever parenting he thought he was going to be doing, it seems like, so.
0: And they seem to have chosen a side already. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I got the sense that he was more of a Don person in the before when he was, like, when he had this reputation of being this real go-getter guy who got results, on top of the fact that he probably would... <laughs> That he wasn't a very good father and that's why his kids aren't super attached to him now. That he wasn't a very good husband and that's why his wife has divorced him and is now with someone else. And also maybe he drank too much (laughs) Mm -hmm. and was a little ruthless and cutthroat about things. So you saw, you know, like the moment where he takes that drink and there was some hesitation, but also this like weird, almost perverse relief to actually be like, yep, going through with this and um cooper's so excited when he he hears duck's plan or the plan at least as he offers it to them about like that's him that's the guy that we heard all about and you're like oh no i don't think this is gonna go well for him yeah but i guess that's what you have to be to be (laughs) Don.
2: true (laughs) um and then it's interesting just the dynamic with uh duck and rogers divorces and like how Duck is using kind of that insider uh, divorced gentleman information to, like, push this business deal kind of along as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So my my question was, does he – he said he's supposed to be the best. That Duck says that uh, George was supposed to be the best. Do you think he was lying? Or do you think he was, like, on the opposite end of – I don't know. I was just curious. I don't actually think it's that important. Or I guess if he is lying.
2: He didn't even really say that much to Roger. But then later when he's like, his ex-wife's going to take like half of all his shit. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it seems like he could have maybe warned Roger and just like chose not to. Probably because (laughs) he's mad at him. (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah. Okay, wait. It just occurred to me as I quoted to you, I said he's supposed to be the best. Ah, and he ah. told um, the the partners at the other agency or other firm that he the the lawyer won't um, leave Roger with a piss to with a pot to piss in. Also, hey, Max Sheffield from the nanny.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
2: And one of these gentlemen meeting with Duck is in the Magicians as well.
0: <laughs> I that love that we just immediately recognize them. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Um, so one of these rapid fire topics we have is Roger, which we're already kind of talking about his divorce, so we Mm can probably just slide on into that. Um, Roger talking about how Mona doesn't deserve any of his money. I'm like, you are the worst trash. I hope she gets every single one of your dollars. Like, what do you think that she has been doing for these 30 years? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that you at points were like, I don't want you working. You raise children. That's all you do. And like you decide that you want to be with a 20 year old girl. And so now she doesn't have like a livelihood. I don't think so. My dude.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And like, so point in the column of my newly found, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like determination <laughs> that of all the trash people, Roger is the worst
0: absolutely. and i don't I don't even like how he talks to Jane.
2: No, <laughs> no it's really it's extremely gross
1: no, and it's it's just interesting to me because this is the first time we kind of see them together knowing that they're um, romantically involved. Right. And it's, it's, if it's it's sensibly like in a hotel room, it's very similar to how the uh, Joan and Roger affair in season one was kind of introduced through the, the setting in a, in a hotel room like that. And like Jane's actually a pretty decent poet and Mm -hmm. Roger's like, Oh, you wrote this. Oh, I make you feel older. I don't want you to age. It's just like, it's all gross.
2: Like, it's very gross. I mean, my notes basically just say yuck. I put that in the show notes and in my personal notes just the <laughs> word yuck. And the sentence, our souls are the same age. I, that it's is just
0: eye roll emojis everywhere. Not really a
2: thing that I'm willing to buy into, but okay. <laughs> well, no. And
1: the interesting thing... Thing to me about that line, and like Matthew Weiner's the the sole credited writer on this episode. It sounds like something in a male female, like ostensibly heterosexual, like relationship a dynamic that you would expect a certain type of 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 guy to say to the girl that was like the younger or older age of like some kind of like age difference. In in the way that he would be in a the, con- the context of a heterosexual relationship, trying to like you know convince her it was okay, like it just, I don't know, it felt like a very kind of masculine line to me, and and mm-hmm. not like mm-hmm. in, the, in the coding of it almost. I don't think the I don't think Jane's delivery of it read that way at all, and the actress mm. did a fine job, but it just. I don't know. It felt like something a cis man in a heterosexual in a heterosexual relationship trying to be in a heterosexual relationship would say, kind of in the other direction. It's like you're old enough to be my dad, but our souls are like I don't I don't know.
0: You, like you expected to hear to hear it from someone who's trying to convince someone that it's like totally kosher but I mean this could actually be her trying to convince herself of the same thing right. instead of like oh I'm mature for my age or I'm an old soul which admittedly like doesn't sound like crap for some people and there is something to her that's not super naive, but it does seem like she's trying to to bridge the gap and convince herself and him that this isn't like super gross and creepy, that it, there's not this huge imbalance of power between the two of them and uh roger probably likes to think that you know oh i've found my equal and this line like allows him to do that and it's not him saying it but he just really wants to be taken care of and told what to do and made to feel like a special boy
1: well it's the life he was always meant to have just ask him
2: i mean uh, okay (laughs) like whatever i don't i don't think that roger I, I can't even imagine that he believes his own bullshit at this point. What about all of his shit about marriage when it came to conversations about Joan and him and Mona and him? And when Joan said they had that last conversation about her getting married, she said something like, I thought you were just unhappy with Mona. I didn't think it was the whole institution. And he basically let her believe that he just hates marriage as an institution. And now he's going to marry a 20-year-old?
0: Yeah.
2: And it wasn't even her idea.
0: See, what you're expecting is consistency and integrity, and Roger likes both.
2: Yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's my bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, you shouldn't I mean, lower expectations no. for men just because they're men. And, oh, they're so messy. Boys will be boys. Uh, but, I mean, yeah. That's I mean, a that misjudgment on your part. I mean, that would
2: be Roger was a boy. Like, you're a grown-ass man. You have a grown child.
0: Like, he is a partner at a successful ad agency.
2: Yeah, true. But he's also a partner because his daddy started the business.
0: That's fair. So let's forget is, about that. This is
2: a point – To your initial point, in that.
0: (laughs) All right, well.
2: So we have the junior execs. um, They have a substitute teacher, except for they picked their own and they chose Peggy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, actually, I got more of that vibe from Ken.
2: He was trying so hard to work, which is funny because I'm like, okay, maybe that's why you make more than Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: so, but like, it's funny because he used to be like so quick to, um, to talk about you know uh, all sorts of gross things or make jokes or flirt with mm-hmm. women. But at the same time, I was like, is this gross or has he just always been this person?
2: He just secretly <laughs> he contains multitudes.
0: He really does. The whole thing is just an act. He's actually, like, a nerdy English major.
1: (laughs) He's a writer. Published author.
0: Don't remind Pete. (laughs) (laughs) His feelings. But I mean we all kind of hate everyone a little bit when uh Kurt reveals that no he's not on a on a romantic date with Peggy to go see Bob Dylan even though he who you know he's really in, going to enjoy it's because he's homosexual and then he leaves the room and everyone is uh terrible
2: It is amazing when he says that he's like I'm a homosexual and he's just like do, 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 this, do, do, do. Is, this is here's the true fact about me friends <laughs> like yeah. you guys are all running your mouth and laughing and you're wrong um but ken saying like i don't think that means what you like this is like this is an adult at his job <laughs> i think he knows what it means like
0: <laughs> yeah for his uh lack of of um or not a lack of but for his like tenuous grasp on the english language i feel like he's nailed this one <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, he absolutely knew exactly what he was trying to say to you. Um, Like, Sal's face during this conversation, I'm like, oh, uh, sorry. I'm sorry.
0: Uh,
2: and then uh, to end the conversation, Kurt's just like, all right, Peggy, so eight? And she's like, <laughs> yep. Like, Kurt gives zero fucks. I love Kurt.
0: <laughs> Kurt's the best. Kurt's the best. And, you know... <laughs> Mo- Peggy had her moment too where you're kind of like Peggy what are you doing and she's trying to like get out of the date but still had her makeover her yeah she did <laughs>
2: he tells her that she's drinking sad and I was like please stop <laughs> looking at me on the couch <laughs>
1: <laughs> this
2: I- is not the time to call me out on my coping mechanisms
0: I would like him to come and cut my hair though it's gotten too long
2: Oh yeah he gives her this great haircut I mean he just he rules because he's super kind about it and it's like I've been talking a lot about Peggy and her bangs and I just didn't think that they were great and he's so kind about it he's like this is just not this isn't the look that uh, these bangs don't mean what you think they mean <laughs>
0: Uh yeah, and she gets like grown up look.
1: grieva haircut is good. I just wonder about the whole idea of gay best friend tropey, like, uh, I don't, like yeah. that. That, like, again, like it, That's it all works for at. me, but yeah. like it, it's kind of like okay, I, I, I get it, like, like you know what I mean, but like, yeah, just well, I mean.
0: I did have a moment where I'm like, gay BFF makeover. I'm like, oh God, gay BFF makeover again. But at the same time, even though Kurt isn't someone who necessarily feels like super oppressed by his very openness about being a homosexual man in the 60s in America, um, but there was a moment of bonding between him and Peggy where she just kind of feels like put down and used by straight men. And I feel... Like, part of the, you know, the the tropey stuff comes from the fact that there was a lot of, like, ally- alliances and allyship and, like, needing each other to face the the cishet portion, male portion of the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It could it have been handled more deftly and with more nuance? Probably. But I don't expect that quite as much from... Uh, Matthew
1: Weiner? Me either.
0: Matthew Weiner <laughs> episodes?
2: <Right>. Well... <laughs> And speaking of, like, depth, I've, I don't have, like, a lot to say about this, but I want to mention it. Like, the stuff that's going on in the background at Sterling Cooper is, like, really bad this week. Um, they're, like, watching the news at some points, and they're talking about, like, how's Kenzie? What's going on down there? Like, um, Harry Crane says a thing about, like, why do people have to keep stirring up trouble? It's bad for business. And, like,
0: uh-huh.
2: those things feel... Uh, like things that we're hearing on our own news programs But then he also Is the one who is like Oh Kurt's a pervert What bathroom does he use Like dude we yeah, seeing...
1: yeah go ahead, go ahead. Annie. Oh, no, I was going to say I, th- I think we're starting to see A pivot In a Harry Because again in the first season he's Ostensibly the, the Nicer of the Um junior executives and that crew there and you know seems the one in the context of season one who is generally contrite and feels bad about about his affair right mm-hmm. and i feel like so he you know the contrendas him and jennifer get back together jennifer gets pregnant and then everything kind of since his baby shower with the, the baby bonnet it's and and i guess his promotion too we're starting to see I think a different side of Harry maybe it's always been there but now it's feeling more comfortable in in coming out it's it's disappointing to see yeah a and- lot of that
2: stuff I, I mean I would have loved to because I almost guarantee you that this stuff would not have been on my radar when this episode first aired
1: right and mm-hmm. so
2: that's just a way and it was All of this was still shitty then, too. So, you know, it's just one of those things that I want to look at now and think about then and then, like, also in the 60s. Yeah. It was a bad time, guys
0: uh it it definitely was um it's still a pretty bad time (laughs) it's still a pretty bad time i mean just like i went to school i went to kent state which is really only known for the fact that there were protest kids protesting one day and a bunch of them got shot by the national guard and to this day there are people who still blame the kids for getting shot by the national guard (laughs) Despite oh, everything. It's so bad. It's so bad. And then like when I grew up in central LA when I was a really young kid, we were really close to Koreatown and literally my family picked up our entire lives and moved us across the country because we were so close to the Rodney King riots at the time. And I just remember being so ambivalent to all of this at the time, you know, when learning about Kent State, learning about Rodney King and all those things. Because they were just kind of things that happened and to actually be living in them because we Mm -hmm. last recorded at the end of last month Mm -hmm. before all the things, you know, before uh, George Floyd's death, all the things that sparked everything when, you know, things were starting to just starting to open up again and people were starting to let out all the tension from being in lockdown for so long and all the fear of everything of coming out of lockdown and everything is just a raw nerve right now. Mm -hmm. And, just hearing people say it say the same things over and over again that they're mm-hmm. still saying over and over again is um, uh, frustrating is one word a little triggering is another word mm-hmm. I'm not a fan and you know for as hipstery and as much as we make fun of Kinsey and his you know white saviorhood jumping on that bus and heading down south At least he's doing something. Yeah,
2: he's not at work doing this. Still. He's doing doing that. Still. So, yeah.
0: And the others are in their office talking about lunch.
2: And asking what fucking bathrooms people use. Like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, no. Matt, do you have anything that you would like to say about that?
1: We've talked kind of throughout the history of this podcast, and kind of it's something that's that's bigger than than us in terms of like even just talking about Mad Men too, and, and, and how white Mad Men is. Mm-hmm. It's right? extremely fucking white, yes. And it, it's it's something that like the challenge of it like continue, and it's it's a criticism. It was a criticism of the show then, and it's I it's still an extremely valid criticism. Of the show now, uh, not to like get too much away in terms of spoilers. Like I think they try to kind of address it, but by that point, like stuff's kind of the s- systemically, it's just baked into the baked into how they run the show at that point because it's mm. you've been running for x amount of seasons, and you know you try and add new characters and whatever, whatever. Um I it's think the fact. Baked
0: in- Oh,
1: sorry. So I was just gonna say that I think the fact in this episode that what's going on in the South and people are just watching it on the news and and to your to your our point your point both your points earlier, um, people aren't aren't as as organized or involved or it's like systemic inequality systemic racism is like kind of like an afterthought even for the characters of the show and an afterthought for the show is like kind of a half fisted metaphor for how on the nose it is, right? But.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it's really interesting to think of the show as, like, the way it was set up from the very beginning and they got too far... too... in far too deep. How do I want to put this? They got in far too deep with how they created the show and the cast and how they're, um, you know, the the stories that they were going to follow, that even after all the criticism, it was really hard to kind of pivot in a way that was more organic, but... Um, And I mean, there's certainly something to be said for our perception of what the times were like that you didn't see these faces, um, you know, you know, brown or black faces in these areas at the time. So it would be like. Oh, awkward if you just tried to shoehorn someone in there, but at the same time we've seen you know the fat we've seen, not just you know Kinsey's girlfriend, we've seen the elevator operators and the janitors, and we don't even see those guys get fired for being falsely accused of something um, to, in this one episode, I mean we don't meet uh oh God, I already forgot the name of the the maid and nanny for the drapers Carla. Carla, thank you. I'm just bad at names. We don't know anything about Carla except for the fact that she is not going to let those dishes go unsoaked. (laughs) Don't even think about it. Or like her days with the kids. We don't even get to see her relationship with the kids very much. In this episode, like all we got was one bartender that Pete Campbell is not very nice to. I mean, obviously we could have introduced like other characters eventually, but I mean, there are characters there too. We're just... (laughs) choosing not to focus on them and having come from a very like rural weirdly segregated area part of the country when this first came out um i didn't notice it much myself but you know Mm -hmm. when i would go back to visit that same part of the country i am very acutely aware just getting gas out like wow there's like 20 people here guess who's the only one who's not white it's not uncomfortable at all
2: so just my little last thing in this section is like Pete, you are so dumb. (laughs) Peggy, you look different. Oh, God. She has an entirely different head.
0: (laughs) It's a fully different shape.
2: (laughs) She's like, it's my hair. He's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) I like
0: recognize people first by the shape of their heads. (laughs) like like we're all wearing scrub caps where I am and there's like different sounds of scrub Uh caps and how uh people wear them differently and literally as soon like I will wear a different hat if I just left all the ones I washed at home or something and I'll wear the uh, ones that are very different color and shape from my usual ones and people stop and go like they will literally just like (laughs) grab me and be like Oh my God, I didn't recognize you at first. So the fact that like Pete can't recognize that just really weirds me out.
2: Yeah, agreed. He's just an oblivious person and he he just is that so often mm-hmm. uh, when he told Kenzie's girlfriend about L.A. Oh my god! <laughs> now this the problem
0: with Pete, who is not the worst, but he's still pretty damn close is that he thinks of everything in context of himself Mm -hmm. (laughs) like a new haircut oh maybe it's like if anything if you notice it it'd be like is this to like impress me or catch my attention not just like oh i wonder if she just wanted to feel a different kind of pretty today
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're totally right
0: flippin pete
1: He's living his best life on the work phone at the pool, though. Getting <laughs> clients to come he's, to him. I
2: can't drive. <laughs> you're going to have to come to me for this work meeting. Can he at least put a shirt on for it, though? <laughs> I mean, come on, buddy.
1: And I mean, and I'm sure it's because he's a native New Yorker that, like, that's why he hasn't learned to drive. But it's it's really funny when he's saying that at the oh, I pool. I thought
2: it was because he was drinking.
1: I, it's it's both, I mean, Probably that too. Right? It's because like, you see the cocktails and stuff there, and he's there. But, like... I don't think we know for sure not if Pete can drive, but mm. it works on. It's it's both true, but then again, even Peter just living life at the pool like that, that fits into kind of like the dreamlike quality of California, mm. as we get into dawn here, compared to the harsh realities of New York, and like they shoot it even differently. And California is like so much sunnier, and it's like California is this dreamland contrasted with the harsh realities of. All the business goings on, or the, you know, homophobia or everything else. Yeah. Straight yeah, exactly. lines.
0: Well, I thought it was really interesting, though. They're different. Um, different reactions to california because at first like don is just like still fully suited by the pool smoking a cigarette looking like cool and calm and totally unimpressed and peach is like i saw tony curtis he's just so (laughs) starstruck and so dumb about everything and as you said he was living his best life by that pool uh he got to see that incredibly terrifying powerpoint (laughs) but when he comes back you know he's just like okay Yeah, that was fun. But eh, I don't think I like the people. I don't think I really like it there. I'm glad to be back. It's a whole other world. And Don, uh, Don is just still Still there. Still back,
1: yeah. And no one seems... he had to
2: make a phone call.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And no one at Sterling Cooper seems worried that no one knows where Don is. Right? Like...
2: He's just a wild card. Not Don Draper. They're not even, like,
0: speculating. Like, huh, I wonder what he got up to or why. Yeah, so... So don,
2: I mean he he sees Betty not Betty at the bar, and then he meets Joy.
0: <laughs> he's been looking for Joy for.
2: He ever. has been looking for Joy, and here it. Oh, I mean she.
1: <laughs> you remember in here season one, and the horseshoe, and then the door slams, and the horseshoe like fl- or flies yes. over, and it's like yes. all the luck falling out. Yes, naming Joy Joy is like. The same thing. Exactly.
0: It's possibly more on the nose.
2: I was just.
0: It's called chasing me. Why would he... <laughs> She tells him at some point, "Why would you deny yourself something you want?"
2: And he's like, "Oh, you're absolutely right, Joy." Good point. And he. I'm gonna go get my joy. <laughs>
0: she. <laughs> the only part that really actually like smacked me in the face with it where I couldn't ignore her name was when he's like who are you and she's just like I'm Joy
2: I'm Joy <laughs> oh no
0: <laughs> I feel like that's something that she should be saying on drugs while trying to push them onto him is but at no point she does the
2: name of the Ana de Armas character in Blade Runner 2049
1: it is indeed oh gosh
2: all right. Well, think about that for a minute. They have the same, like, facial structure, kind of. She's <laughs> like a little sweetheart face. <laughs> a little
0: sweetheart face. I There was a part, Um, I mean, I know we're going out of order, but whatever. There's a part where they were in the pool and she had her hair slicked back, and I don't know if it was the lighting or something, but there was something about her in that moment, and just, like, the general tone and timbre of her voice. She just seemed very much like a much much younger Betty. She looked like January Jones to me, but like baby January.
1: So what, like December 31st?
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) That's all I'm allowing you.
1: (laughs) Sorry. Because it's baby January.
2: Oh my god, Matt. (laughs) (laughs)
1: You guys are the best.
2: So, We have talked about The Sopranos on this show before in terms of, like, learning lessons from women slash therapists. Um, So I have been watching The Sopranos. That's not exactly why, but I also, I have been watching The Sopranos. I'm about done with season one. Um, I didn't realize that Tony Soprano, like, just loses consciousness (laughs) periodically. (laughs) Uh, But he does, and so when Don Draper, like, passed out here, I was like, oh, sir, this is The Sopranos. You're so stressed. (laughs) Like, you thought you wanted to run away with joy, and now that you get here, you realize, like, you are not a cool person, and you just cannot hang and (laughs) be a nomad, and so you are having a stress response. And then he's like, oh, it's just heat exhaustion. I'm like, okay, Don, (laughs) you might be new to California, but I think you have a little bit more going on than heat exhaustion, but, you know, blame that on The Sopranos.
0: Isn't this also just kind of like the thing he just keeps doing, though? He gets a fanciful idea. He thinks it's going to like take him away from all his problems. He's totally cool and with it, and this is going to be amazing. The fantasy is real. It's nothing but the fantasy. Uh, Oh, but it's also attached to real life with real fucking people. (laughs) And they
2: are oddballs which is great they have the good thing going but like it's not don draper's thing
0: (laughs) Mm -mm. it's like good for you your dad is your
2: wingman
1: (laughs) i make beautiful babies okay thank you german german Mm -hmm. guy from super troopers um
2: my initial thought when they all came up was that she was their daughter and they didn't they didn't say that and so i was like all right so we just have like a weird age thing going on here it's fine like no judgment or whatever and then when it comes back around again and you find out he really is her dad, I'm like, all right, now you just are, have a, a... The whole thing is weird now. Yeah. Because there was an opportunity for this to not be weird, and now there are people naked in this bed. <laughs> like...
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he just kind of... Dad just strolls in and just pats her on a leg, all affectionate leg. And the next thing you know, she... Joy joy is asking don to stay with them um he what's it, it, my father will take care of you he likes having you around you're beautiful and you don't talk too much and
2: You don't talk much
1: <laughs> what's kind of interesting to me and it's it's kind of i'm tr- building this off a bit of like something Annie that you said earlier where this is it like feels like this is don's pattern he's he's running away it's like this you know this escape this fantasy and it definitely like is that, but in like in some ways, it's almost like this is the full realization of what of it's the full realization of the feeling or of the fantasy that he's been chasing in smaller, less dramatic ways, kind of throughout the almost two seasons that that we've we've met or hung out with Don Draper, because um, this is like. He doesn't even have his suitcase that he takes with him. His luggage is, is lost or misplaced. Mm-hmm. So literally mm-hmm. he just has the clothes on his back and is ch- going with joy, following joy, chasing joy. It, like It's it's the f- it's the like when he proposed to Rachel that they leave every... Ra- oh, it all comes back to Rachel Bacon. You, you folks know this. Um, when he's like, let's run away to Paris. And she's like, no, what, are you 15? He's living... That fantasy now, and I think it's kind of the something that he's dreamed in his head that you know he's been chasing with Midge or Bobby or like whatever. Those are like little mental escapes because he's unhappy or restless or whatever. This is the literal escape. And again, I apologize. We're jumping all all over it, and I do want to talk about the neo bohemians a little bit more. But he's chasing this escape. Has nothing but the clothes on his back. They give him other clothes. There's a doctor there. It's this you know kind of like I said, bohemian Valhalla almost. And at the end of it, he picks up the phone and says, I'm Dick Wickman. I'd like to see you. And so he's now come full circle again because he's going back to Dick. So it's like the escape wasn't everything he, he thought it would be. It's back to being the thing he was ultimately escaping from, seemingly based on how he identifies himself. Chef's kiss emoji.
2: Who is he talking to?
1: okay so who okay let me, you, like, let me ask you let me ask you melissa i have a question for you who do you think don was talking to on the phone
2: <laughs> who's to say um okay I mean, give guess- give me
0: like a, like a uh your like quote unquote rational guess that makes sense and then like wildest fantasy guess
2: I hope it's, like, his best friend who he, like, knew for five seconds in his time in the military, and they, like, had some experience that was, like, really meaningful together, and so he's like, oh, my goodness, I'm having so many life experiences, and also, I got really scared of nuclear bombs earlier today, so Mm -hmm. let's reconnect, but it's probably, like, his mom, because his brother's dad, and I assume his dad is dead. His, His brother is dead. And I assume that his dad is dead. But when he picked up the phone originally, I was like, Donna, who the fuck are you calling right now? Because it's like you have you've burned a lot of bridges with your like normal calls you make under desperate situations. And then he was like, hi, it's Dick Whitman. I was like, oh, I'm (laughs) (laughs) four. You're throwing curveballs all over the place today, Donald.
0: He tried to leave his baggage behind, but then he just goes after it at the end.
1: Well, and then the bag is gets dropped outside the house that he got told that he needed to leave and wasn't wasn't welcome back in last last week, last episode. And also when Betty in episode, I guess it would have been 10. This is 11. In episode 10, The Inheritance, the, our, our last episode. when she finds out her dad had a stroke. She's like, I keep dreaming about a suitcase. And then this, like anyways, I I would track suitcases in Mad Men is, is all I'm saying. So What did we think about the neo Bohemians? I would nomads. like to know where
0: their money comes from.
2: They got real weird yeah. when Don mentioned their money.
0: I mean I assume old European royalty money, mm-hmm. but like I feel like even in the sixties there can't have been that much to it all anymore. Because I well, feel like even by then you had, um, you know, aristocratic families, especially in that like Ital- Italian kind of area, like opening their homes as museums or just selling property. And. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, not to get too like go there. And I'm sure that there's lots of theories about Willie's money on the Internet, but definitely had. Uh, I don't know if the actor is German or or Austrian specifically, but had a kind of Germanic um, flavor to the character. And if they still had money, then Joyson in his is twenty twenty one in nineteen sixty two. Mm. She would have been born earlier than that by about twenty years. So I mean, it might be over dramatic to say it's not Nazi gold, but it's not not Nazi gold.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let me see the receipt, cool. sir.
1: So. That's a charming thought that I just dropped in front of all of our podcasts.
2: <laughs>
1: <sighs> well, you know, if like a
0: running theme of 2020 isn't surprise Nazis. Yeah. Which did mm-hmm. happen to me at some point at work not too long ago. No. Yeah, should have been shouldn't have been too surprised though. I already saw a Confederate flag tattoos, so the fact Ugh. that there was more. It's uh, awful. S- yeah. 2020, guys. Maybe, maybe we peak here. <laughs> but
1: but well, like, at least okay, we have I the know. Cuban Missile Crisis to is look the to possible possible on that one. <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, yeah, we still have Kennedy, so that's um, that bodes well for what we, we a- have to look forward to.
1: Yeah, we got a we got the Cuban Missile Crisis to get through. We have several assassinations in the 1960s. Um great escapist television this is why this is a great idea to do this yeah
0: <laughs> uh it might have been more uh, fast i don't know would have been less or more fascinating if uh history wasn't sort of repeating itself currently
1: well i mean i think and yeah no we don't need to yeah no 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 matt no gear down gear down <laughs> Okay, do we want to to bit or Bob? Sure, uh, I and mean, actually, we have an email this week too. Our oh, very email. first email, Here's yes, the
0: deal, it never fails.
1: So it's from friend of the pod Elise, who listeners might remember from season one, episode twelve, Nixon v. Kennedy, and we asked for emails about Peter Campbell and. This email from Elise references Peter Campbell. Is there ever too much Peter Campbell? Love the new theme song. I think it has a bit of a Doors vibe, because of the organ. I just listened to the whole version and it's funky too. Y'all had me giggling through this episode. Keep it up, loves. Sparkly heart. Oh, Elise. You're
2: the best. That's so nice.
1: And listeners, if you would also like to send us a lovely message or think you can do better than Elise, email us at atstillgreatbob at gmail But
0: like, yeah. be nice. We like sparkly hearts.
2: If it's a mean email, we're not reading it.
0: Oh yeah, no. And I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I'll print it out and burn it.
2: That was nice.
1: Those donuts looked good in the office right before, you know, everyone's homophobia comes out.
2: Yeah. Yeah here getting everybody donuts. You all have to this is how you like repay good karma.
0: Yeah. Although is that what they were having for lunch cuz that's not very healthy.
1: <laughs> I had donuts delivered once in in March from a local donut place. Um
2: If all you guys do is eat donuts for lunch, none of you are going to be able to hang in the sun.
1: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um So you guys like, I... of
0: donuts at work. Honestly, as much as I love them, don't it's just the carb crash the carb crash is so real it hurts you especially because
2: donuts are also covered in sugar like it's double yes. like not sustainable energy <laughs> that have was either... a lovely bit and bob oh go ahead sorry
1: uh, no me. i was gonna i was gonna say still in, still sticking with bits and bobs have either of you read the sound of the fury by william faulkner or no i know yeah i haven't either <laughs> but that's what joy is reading Sure, that's a reference to something, but I haven't read it. <laughs>
0: uh, I was like, wow, she's reading the thing. Maybe I should look up and see what happens on the book, what cr- you know, cr- critics are saying it means, what was going on in Faulkner's life at the time, and maybe it means something that uh, that Don is writing, uh, taking down notes on it, because it was the only piece of paper available when he was on that phone call is Dick Whitman, and then I didn't.
1: So maybe just looking it up right now without getting too deep into it it's a novel by Faulkner and employs several narrative styles including including stream of consciousness so that even talking about kind of the way decisions are made and and dreamlike logic without digging too deep into the the plot of a novel none of us have read um Uh but if it's talking about kind of stream of consciousness the interplay of kind of subconscious and all of that too that i can see how that would be a nice thematic tie-in if you had read the book um i'm trying to think if there's anything else i guess the only other comment or thought that i i had was when kurt um <clears throat> I mean, this is not really a coming out just matter of factly i'm or not that that doesn't stay when kurt um has it seen where he mentions he, he tells the office he's gay um and again, we talked about Sal's face, but I think I just wanted to kind of call out that that's a way a lot of people, without even realizing the power of their words and the, and the damage it can do to those that they they love and care about it sensibly, work with kind of around them. how harmful and how damaging language can be when we're not um kind of aware of our own our own privilege and not checking our our own biases and our own our own hates obviously in, in, in that case. Right. But
0: yeah. Um, I thought just to go back to that whole thing, I was wondering like if it was Sal in that moment who just dropped this knowledge, do you think they would have been so unkind about it? Do you think they would have said the same things? Cause Kurt is someone they just kind of know. And he is a little hard to get to know because he, isn't super great with English. And uh, I feel like the others probably keep him at an arm's distance because of it, which is super unfair. Um, Because it's hard to imagine that these are the kind of people who would really be so cold if it were Sal. But at the same time, Sal keeps playing the same games all the other guys do, uh, do, being this, like, macho, snarky dude.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, Melissa, go ahead.
2: I don't know.
0: <laughs> She's processing. I don't know. I, I it, think you're, you're sorry, right, I, though. I, I, I think... No, nope, go ahead. No, nope, never mind, Matt. We're falling apart. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say,
1: Annie, I think you're right in that there'd be a difference in how they reacted in, in the, the moment. I think it would be less of a joke because they can also other Kurt for being for being European and being a foreigner, they can other him a couple different ways. Um, but I wonder if it would have been more similar to how Joan handled um, Carol making a, making a pass at her and kind of just downplayed it and you know whatever. I, I think it probably would have been closer to that than the joke, or maybe it could have been kind of like the Freddie thing, a couple episodes when um, Freddie pees himself. Or it's a joke after. or I don't know. It's a good
0: question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think you're right about how the the lack of awareness of what words can mean. And it is easy to make fun of someone who doesn't speak the the language well. Because even if he does over here, there's like a chance that he doesn't quite understand what they're saying, even though they weren't exactly being incredibly uh, obtuse about what they're saying. Just it's hard not to feel bad for Zoe.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: complicated
0: Mm-hmm. but it's also kind of nice he got to see someone of a younger generation just be so mm-hmm. open about it
1: yeah how much do you hurt him that because it was ken and he has the crush on ken come still has his lighter anyways yeah no oh, there's nice. layers it-
0: On that happy note. On that yeah. <laughs> Everything is awful anyway. So if you're having
2: a good time, <laughs> you can contact us.
0: <laughs> we'll tell you why you're wrong.
2: Uh, we already listed our email, but again, it's still at gmail Our social medias are stillgreatpod Pod on Twitter and Still Great Pod on Instagram. Uh, Annie, where can we find you on the internet
0: well you can find me uh on instagram and twitter Uh, Neither of which I really update. Sorry, I'm really bad at social media. But both are pop artery, P-O-P-A-R-T-E-R-Y. You can also check out my other podcast where we just spend a lot of time talking about uh, Jane Austen and her books and adaptations. It's called The Daily Nightly. We just did a bonus episode where we listed all kinds of um, Black, Indigenous, and people of color authors that we've enjoyed in the past and all the ones that we are looking forward to uh, on our reading lists. Matt.
1: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at @MattHugh M A T T Y H U G H, or you can find me at you know City Hall and public hearing talking about um, divesting from our policing budget and reinvesting in our social services. Yeah, Melissa, where can we find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Mellow Yellow, which is O Yellow. Or you can find me co hosting the Wild Pretty Things podcast, where we just released an episode um, revisiting two of the best movies of the last decade Under the Skin and Arrival. Um. Before we
0: devolve into more silliness, uh, please rate and review the podcast on your podcatcher system of choice. I'm a personal fan of Pocket Cast. Please, please sponsor us. Uh, and thank you to the amazing and awesome and super cool DJ Empirical, um, for our super awesome theme.
2: Yeah, new theme. It's
1: party later days.
0: Go ahead. I don't actually have words.